LeeTDickey.com. What's going on, everybody? Lee Dickey here. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast and a new episode within the Star Wars miniseries right here on the Beats and Speaks podcast. This week, I am joined by Cameron Boozard Joe Mary, the host of Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where they take science and your favorite moments of pop culture, marry them together to give you a fantastic, entertaining, good time, audio-filled baby. To find out more about Cameron and his show, Sweating the Small Stuff, go to smallstuff.show, link in the description. And of course, Cameron joins me this week to talk anything and everything Star Wars. Favorite movies, favorite moments, what he thinks of the Disney takeover, whether Yoda is the greatest teacher of all time, and everything in between. Cameron, thank you so much for reaching out and coming on the Beats and Speaks podcast. It was a real pleasure to have you. If you ever want to do another episode, please don't hesitate to reach out, and please do. My inbox is always on, and my door is always open, and there will always be a spot for you here. But now that you know all that there is to know about my guest and where to find him and his show, Sweating the Small Stuff, go to smallstuff.show. By the way, link in the description and check out his podcast as well. I will tell you where to find me, yours truly, Lee Dickey, and the Beats and Speaks podcast. Of course, Lee Dickey, yours truly, can be found on social media at Lee T. Dickey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and on my official website, LeeTDickey.com. New episodes of the Beats and Speaks podcast are released every single Friday on my official website, LeeTDickey.com, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please do like and subscribe to us on YouTube as well under Lee Dickey TV. Leave us reviews on iTunes and your favorite podcast app and player of choice. You can also leave reviews on my official website, LeeTDickey.com, on the Beats and Speaks podcast landing page. Plus, you can leave reviews on my official Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Lee T. Dickey. And of course, I will feature them right there on my official website, LeeTDickey.com, and read them out right here on the Beats and Speaks podcast. If you'd like to be a future guest on an episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast, please do email me at LeeTDickey, that's L-E-I-G-H-T-D-I-C-K-E-Y, at gmail.com, and we can set something up so you and I can go back and forth and have a good old-fashioned conversation and you can find yourself on a future episode right here on the Beats and Speaks podcast. But now that all that housekeeping is out of the way, let's get to the real main event. My interview with Cameron Boozar Joe Mary of Sweating the Small Stuff to talk everything Star Wars right here on the Beats and Speaks podcast right now. Hi, I'm Cameron Boozar Joe Mary, host of the popular podcast Sweating the Small Stuff, and I have the great fortune of being on this week's episode of Beats and Speaks with Lee Dickey. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, and anyone else with an earshot of the sound of my annoying voice, I'm lucky enough to be joined today by Cameron Boozarjami, the host of Sweating the Small Stuff. And today we are here to talk all things Star Wars, because as you know, I have never been a big fan, and I just want to gain an appreciation for the series, the franchise, and everything that encompasses it. So, Cameron, thank you for joining me this week. 
Hey, it's great to be here, Lee, and you almost got my name. It was uh, Cameron Boozard, Joe Mary, and I am, in fact, your host of Sweating the Small Stuff. So thank you for having me on. Well, I appreciate the fact that you wanted to come on. You were one of the first to reach out to me, and I figured if he wants to talk Star Wars, I'll talk to anybody that wants to talk Star Wars and educate me. Well, I'll talk to anybody that wants to talk about absolutely anything, but in terms of Star Wars, I uh, want to talk to people who are passionate about it and who follow the source material because clearly I don't and clearly <laughs> you do. And and I apologize for getting for getting your uh, name wrong. People have been doing that to me my whole life. I have a 13-letter last name with a hyphen in the middle, and it's just sort of like people point at it and go, hey, that's you, right? <laughs> Instead of actually trying to pronounce it, just, yeah, yeah, let's go. That's, I'm, I'm the guy you're looking for. That's exactly my problem, too. My name is, in fact, 13 letters long, and it has a hyphen in the middle, so, you know, there's we, some brotherhood we are, there. We are, we are kindred spirits from just opposite ends of the world, I guess. Sounds like it. But without but, further ado, throw us, in, throw us into this mix. Yeah. So, you're the host of Sweating the Small Stuff, and you're a fan of Star Wars. What is, in your opinion... Educate me and my audience. Like, what is, in your opinion, the draw of Star Wars? What is it that kind of sucked you in and drew you into the franchise? So there, there were two moments where I got sucked into Star Wars. When I was little kid, Cameron, and the prequel trilogy had not come out yet, I remember just seeing like Luke Skywalker running around, fighting the Death Star, fighting Darth Vader, and what set it apart for me is like before this, I couldn't remember any like intergalactic space level threats like it was you had some superhero you had some secret agent some just random junk that was happening to someone on earth or that affected earth but this was there's like a giant thing out there running around blowing up planets and a dude with a super cool looking sword that is made out of just like light and fire is running around stabbing people and so this is this is some next level stuff. This is the big game, and that's the story you want to follow because the stakes are so high. Well, who, I mean, who doesn't want to go to a movie and see things get blown up real big? Granted, like, I'm not going to lie, it seems like it would have been something I would have been into, but for some reason, I couldn't get into the idea of the franchise and how it was set. I think I remember... Hearing something or seeing something, whether it was like some sort of uh, entertainment network special or like a documentary or, of some sort, where the pitch to Star Wars was basically George Lucas going to, I'm, I'm not sure whether he went to anyone else before he got to Fox, but the pitch was basically, it was kind of an old timey Western film, but with a, it was set in space with basically the space theme so that's actually the crazy thing about the origin of star wars and i'm going to say this is actually an excellent segue into what my show is so for any of you who are not familiar with swaying the small stuff we like to give you a brief introduction to the science stories and misconceptions lurking behind your favorite pop culture moments and there is like no piece of ip out there that's more chock-a-block full of these opportunities than star wars because Every beat along the way is this like cacophony of like, how did this get made? The first thing is George Lucas is pitching Fox on a story that was originally almost twice as long as the final movie that showed up in theaters. That 
the original story was super long and went through many, many revisions. He constantly workshopped it. He constantly pinged ideas off of people while at the same time doing a really amazing job of keeping it well-guarded. And he took lots of inspiration. Like the Jedi was supposed to be based on samurais where they had like very slow but careful strikes at each other. And then the bombing run was based on, I think it was the Great Raid, where there's there's an old World War II movie where it's based on an actual event where they're blowing up a dam. And so instead of the trench run, they actually had to fly down deep into this valley and drop a bomb that would skip along the water and hit the dam and blow up the dam, helping them defeat the Nazis. And that was the trench run at the end of Star Wars. Like There's so many beats based in our own history that show up in Star Wars that I think despite how outlandish and wild it sounds, they have an incredible way of drawing you in because everything is in space and it should feel unfamiliar, but it's still familiar to you. Yeah, because it's kind of, well, I mean, other than it being in space, it seems that it's sort of, it takes images or events from home and then just throws it into the stars, so to speak. Yeah, and that's kind of the funniest thing is a lot of the great stories that we love are stories that we're familiar with in a context that is foreign to us. And because there's something there that you can grasp onto, it makes it really easy for you to want to become invested in the world. Like you you don't need that much, you just need that little hook. Yeah, so what like aside from like all the space stuff and the fact that like it's so it's such a big like it's set on such a big, big scale. Is there a specific moment or a specific point in any of the films that you can fondly remember being like you just sitting, I say, on a couch or on your living room floor watching the movie where you're just like, you know what, this is probably one of the greatest things I've ever seen? So... And actually, I have to point out that this goes back to what I said earlier, where I said I fell in love with Star Wars twice. Because mm. the first time I saw it, and I thought, wow, this is some cool stuff in space. But as you grow up, and you pay attention to, like, what is a Death Star? What are Star Destroyers? Why is any of this stuff anything? And especially when you're exposed to lots of science and technology, there's a part of your brain that's, like, picking at you and saying, like, this doesn't make sense. I shouldn't be able to hear starfighters and tie fighters and stuff like little kid me was sitting in a theater when they're re re um distributing the movies in preparation for the phantom menace and i was absolutely drawn in but then as i grew up and especially after the prequels came out where they had included like trade federation and like governments and senators and you're like this is not stuff that little me or even adult me really wants to deal with in their space fantasy. And that's when I realized, like, this is a space... I think you described it before we started the call as an odyssey, which might be the most perfect description. It's like, there's no real science and stuff here. But then we go to the sequel trilogies, and despite all the plot things there, I came to realize, like, the way technology and civilizations interact in this world adds a very interesting new layer that drew me back in to the entire Star Wars universe. And I was already familiar with it because of the books. Like, Mm -hmm. I had briefly read some of the extended universe lore before Disney threw it all out the window. But, like, especially... As Disney tends to do. (laughs) You know exactly what's up, man. Yeah, just kind of like, well, we bought it now, what do we do with it? 
Exactly. Pump it out until people are sick of it. Sir, they're already exactly. sick of it. Just keep pumping it out. It's a giant cash cow. Who cares? But that was the thing. Is like There was already so much stuff there that it's impossible for them to... They can go in any direction they want, and there will still be more stuff there that other people have already contributed. And one of the best examples of this is, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to roll their eyes, but Boba Fett is the guy. Like, he yeah. doesn't do anything in the movies, but he's just so chill and so cool and so on his game. What do you, you think the... What, what do you think the... the? Because I know he's one of the more popular characters. Mm-hmm. And he has, what, maybe 10 minutes of screen time? If that... Like, yeah, like, he does almost nothing on screen. He basically does a big trick to get Han Solo, and he does a big trick to almost get Luke Skywalker and that's I think that's kind of the mystique of the character is you can always show us what they did but if you can cleverly hint at the beats behind what they did and how that led to them like they don't show us him like sweating over I don't know documents and stuff trying to figure out where Han Solo is all you know is that when Han Solo tries to do his big sneaky move to get away from the Empire and Empire Strikes Back who's the one following him? Boba Fett. Boba Fett, yeah. That's all you need to know is that this guy was so on his game, he knew exactly what they were doing. And no they they built up the mystique to, to Boba Fett really, really well. That like if you could walk around sort of like any convention floor. I, I was talking to a guy yesterday who was at New York Comic Con this year and has been for the previous several years. Where like if you go to any convention, I suppose you will see people cosplaying as Boba Fett for a guy that's or for a character that has 10 minutes of screen time, probably throughout the entire film franchise. That's that's nuts at how popular he is. And I think a second part of why he's so popular is no one knows who he is. Like you never see his face. He can be anyone. He could be any color. He could be any, he could be any real like, build or shape because like a lot of him's layered under a helmet and lots of clothing so later we do know that he is in fact a human and we confidently know from the beginning that he's supposed to be male but there's so many pieces to him that make it so that he could be anyone so a lot of young fans could latch onto it and that's the other nice thing about making a character who is just stoically strong is that a lot of people, even non-males, can latch on to that sense of like being confident in where you are and what you're doing. And it makes it easy for anyone who's watching the movies to think, yeah, I identify with Boba Fett because I too think that I can be a calm, capable person in the moment. Yeah, I, that's, I suppose that's how everybody wants to uh, picture themselves. And then like that would probably be a reason to uh, look at Boba Fett as like, I'd say one of the greatest characters in Star Wars lore. Here's a question. It may be loaded to you. I'm, I'm not sure because I've asked this several times to several of my guests on this miniseries. What do you, like, your opinion of Yoda, do you think he would be considered the greatest teacher ever? No, he's, he's fine. I think, and yes, I'm about to get, you know what, at me, at Small Stuff Show, at CBoozar, C-B-O-O-Z-A-R, you come at me, and you tell me what you think about Yoda, dear listeners of Mr. Lee, because I personally think that he is a fun character, 
but he is not doing anything. Like, he awkwardly shows up in the middle of Empire. He tells Luke some stuff. And then later, Luke comes back and is doing, like, kickflips kick and moving things with the Force. But, like, the entire time, Yoda didn't do a lot to, like, train him. He's just like, there's this thing called the Force and you can do stuff with it. And that's, like, it. That's all the training he really gives Luke. Which is fine. Like, in the canon of the universe, yeah, I guess that would be fun and fine. But, like, for this guy who's considered to be the, like, sage master of all Jedi, and this is the last great Jedi that has survived the great culling of the prequel trilogy, he's not nearly as on his game. And even in... He'll give you enough to get by, right? Yeah, like, even in the prequels, like, he walks in, and the first thing he does when he's dealing with Palpatine is, like, he knocks two dudes against the wall. You're like, oh, this guy's supposed to be super powerful. And then later, Palpatine's throwing chairs at him. He's like, this is above my pay grade. I'm out of here. Well, here's something that I wanted to ask you. Since you and I are around the same age, what did you think of... I, I, I'm assuming you saw the prequels first and then went backwards. You mean the original trilogy episode, like, with the Death Star and stuff? Yeah, like, you went... I'm Because you and I are around the same age bracket, mm-hmm. I can only assume that... You, the, your first exposure to, say, Star Wars was, or at least in terms of, like, what you saw in the theaters, were the prequels. And then I'm assuming you went backwards to see the original trilogy. Yeah, and so what happened was I saw, oh, no, sorry. So, no, I definitely saw the original trilogy before I saw, like, Phantom Menace and those, the uh, the prequel movies, so. Attack of the Clones and. Yeah, I definitely saw. Exactly. So I saw the original three movies first, and that was just like that was what drew me in because it was really easy to follow. There weren't like lots of players and stuff. They weren't trying to do Space Game of Thrones just yet. It was just there's a big scary thing, and we need to blow it up, and that's all you really need to know. It's like the most bare minimum of things. And then you go to like the prequels, and everything is metachlorines and intergalactic senate and stuff and it's funny because the prequels they do this weird thing for me where i did not enjoy them as like stories like they did not make sense plot wise they i cannot understand for a moment how like you find out immediately that Django fett is yeah i know he's a mercenary but he's also been helping out count Do- count dooku and all the other quote-unquote not well not good guys i don't think they really consider them bad guys just yet and then you're still okay with using the entire clone army that he was basically commissioned to create on behalf of, I think the guy's name was like Sifo Diaz, a guy who we never meet and is like does, inconsequential to the plot. But it's, just some, it, it's, it's some name that they probably just pulled out of a hat and went, yeah, that works. Yeah, so the fact that no one ever seems to really question the value and the loyalty of the clone army, even though it was clearly created by the guy who works for not the Republic is from a plot wise standpoint it's not great but what they do that's amazing is like before we knew there were in space but now we're seeing like we see Tatooine we see Naboo we see Coruscant we're seeing all these planets and it opens up the universe that much more in the prequels it says like there's so much more scale and there's so many more places and species and things and it gets your imagination just going since Star Wars is like this animal of a franchise i uh 
granted, this might be a simple question, but do you have a, a favorite film in the franchise that you really are fond of and that you have great memories of watching? I definitely could watch Empire over and over and over again, but here's the thing is like, I almost hate, like, I know a lot of people hate to give anyone credit for the new movies because of how much it messes with everything. But you see, I like science a lot. And I always thought that there were a lot of things in sci-fi that we never got to really see, even though they're super cool ideas. And thanks to a mix of just really out there thinking and incredible special effects and stuff, one of my all-time favorite moments of Star Wars, like, I don't know how much I feel about the film as a whole, but I remember seeing this moment in the theater and losing my freaking mind was in episode eight when the Admiral launches her ship into the super duper Star Destroyer, General Snoke's like super ship, at light speed and it blows up everything. Like a big thing I always try to do on my show is bring in like you know Star Wars. Let me introduce you to an, a concept from science or physics or whatever. But this is the first time I got to see a real wild expectation of like a science experiment play out on the big screen with just a beautiful amount of artistic, I guess, uh, creative liberties taken. So you get to see this. You get to see a very small ship collide with a very large ship so quickly that it should like there were a lot of different things that should happen, but no one has ever really thought about what this would be like to see something at light speed collide with something else and understand the physics of it. And to see this representation of it as a person who loves science, it blew my freaking mind. Yeah, I, I well, I can only imagine. Now, granted, well, I could tell you a quick story about like the first time I saw anything Star Wars, and it was. I don't know whether you want to call it the weakest film in the franchise, but it was The Phantom Menace. And um, I uh, I had gotten, I think it was either The Phantom Menace or it was uh, the, the film following The Phantom Menace where I, uh, my mom and I had gone to see a movie with my dad and my sister, but my sister and I have, very different tastes Mm -hmm. and i'm not obviously i've never been big on star wars and she she is so we had made this compromise where like my mom and i went to see something else i forget what it was but my sister and uh dad had gone to see one of the star wars films it was either attack of the clones or episode one the phantom menace so and I'm about to out somebody on a podcast like 17 years later, but oh well. <laughs> so we, our movie had finished and my mom was looking for my dad and sister. So we go up to this attendant at this theater and he says, look, you know, we're looking for a couple people and they're in this theater, but do you know if it's ended or not? Well, the movie hasn't ended yet and I'm really not supposed to do this, but if you really don't tell anybody, I can let you in there. Right, So we kind of just snuck in to see like the last half an hour, maybe 45 minutes of Star Wars or something like that. Or what, like whichever film in the franchise that it was mm-hmm. to, to see if we could, you know, spot them. And I think either my dad looked over and my, or my sister looked over and they were not happy. And I was just kind of like, oh, my bad. 
you know, but my mom being my mom and I was, I don't know, like somewhere between the ages of 10 and 13. Am I really going to like say, no, we shouldn't do that. No, man. Right. Yeah. And like, like, let's, let's be honest. The guy gave me what a half an hour, 45 minutes of a free movie. No, I'm, I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of there. Although I'm pretty sure if I was that young, I feel like when I saw Phantom Menace, it was one of those things where like there was so much stuff on the screen happening that you could, even if you didn't totally understand, like pod racing is like, oh, this is a racing thing and it's super cool because racing. So obviously I'm going to like this or maybe it's um like a kid blowing up an entire like space station to save all the people. Like there's little beats in Phantom Menace that I could definitely connect with as a kid, even though they introduced some wild stuff. But Attack of the Clones was like, we're going to make a space love story that is not going to make any sense. <laughs> and it's just going to come off as creepy. And anyone with half a brain watching this is going to be like, yeah, this is not okay. And so I'm... It's yeah. a space version of a soap opera. It's like space daytime TV. And yeah, that's... I think like that was a big problem with... Attack of the Clones introduced a lot of cool stuff. But the driving narr- narrative of... Uh, Anakin and Padme hanging out and talking to each other and Padme having no clear sense that this guy is wacko as heck. I, I don't yeah. buy that. It's weird how this whole thing really all came together, but let me ask you about like getting away from the movies for a little bit. Have you, I, cause I know for myself with trying to get into star Wars, I, uh, I had a Nintendo 64 growing up and I asked my dad for some reason to get, one of the Star Wars games on the Nintendo 64. I think it was either Battlefield or Battlefront, one of those two. Just, I wanted to get an appreciation for it, and it looked, you know, visually it looked cool. My dad looked at it, he was like, are you sure? And he bought it, and then he came home, and I remember him looking at me and then handing me the cartridge. He just went, I'm, you're probably not going to like it. And I go, well, what makes you say that? He says, well, you've never really been a big fan of Star Wars. You're more of a fan of Star Trek. That might be true, but I'll give it a shot. And he was absolutely bang on the money. I, it was a $60 investment back in like 1997 or 98. And I barely picked it up. No, oh, man, you must have been playing. I think there was like Shadow of the Empire or something. That's what um, that was, I'm sorry. That, that's what that was. Yeah, so that... I so hang on, I gotta say this real fast, and this is probably also gonna get me some heat. I love oh, Star wow. Trek. Oh my god, do I love Star Trek? I could watch. I I have watched all the Star Treks, shamelessly. So, I get that. I totally get that people are like they for some reason think you should be one camp or the other. But I don't really get why you need to pick one or the other. That said, yeah, Star Wars is kind of like one of those wild things where you're you're either willing to except that this universe is buck wild and we're now going to inhabit it or you're not. And that's completely fine. Like, listen, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you despise star Wars and you don't know why that's totally cool. I'm not going to come to your house and try and convince you otherwise. That's your personal taste and you live your life. I just happen to really love it because it's like when you strip away all the wild stuff, they keep trying to add to it. It's just a nice, simple, like, these are good guys. These are bad guys. You can shut your brain off for two hours and get somewhere. Yeah, it doesn't have to make sense. You're suspending disbelief. It's a movie for 
for all intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes. But let me, can I ask you, like, I'm assuming that you've seen all the the films up to this point, mm-hmm. whether they were the remastered or the original ones, because I know they put the original trilogy back out in theaters to hype up for the Phantom Menace. And I, I had completely forgotten about that before somebody had mentioned it to me on an earlier podcast. But how do you feel about the, aside from Disney being Disney, and I'm not going to say that Disney ruins everything, so... I hope the House of Mouse isn't hearing this and they want to, you know, stick their blue-haired lawyers on me. <laughs> Let's not do that, okay? Because you have more money than I could ever hope to have, considering that you gave George Lucas four point, yeah, about $4.5 billion to basically retire and go away. Let's face it, if anybody had done the same thing to me, I'd have been like, yeah, sure. It's all yours. You can take it. Mm-hmm. But with Disney being Disney and them taking over the Star Wars franchise, like, what, what is your opinion of the Disney-centric Star Wars films? So, there are two ways to understand what has happened. And because we are sweating the small stuff, I'm going to bring some of that unknown theories and misconceptions into this conversation because I love to do my weird amount of homework in my free time. When you look at Star Wars as what they've been doing versus what George Lucas did with the prequels, like, you have to understand it in the context of the original trilogy. The original trilogy comes out, and George Lucas's original idea finds its way into the trilogy, but after a lot of editing and other people handling it, it becomes the stories that we actually know and love now. So when they gave so when George Lucas took back creative control to make the prequels, he introduced Metachlorines and a bunch of other wild stuff that no one who enjoyed the original trilogy could really understand fit into the larger star wars universe like he's suddenly introduced all this stuff and you're like what are you talking about what are midichlorines you can't just drop a bomb like that on us and so when disney acquired it george lucas had a plan for what he wanted to do for the sequel trilogy he knew he wanted this to be a nine movie series with prequels Mm -hmm. sequels in the middle and he was going to double down on this midichlorines microverse thing because the bigger story of star wars is there's something called the wills it's like this kind of force, and I know what you're thinking, Cameron, the force is already a thing in Star Wars. Yeah, but apparently it's like this, if you could think of the universe as a guitar, these are the guys who actually play the guitar, and they're called the Wills. And that was going to be like his big like plot thing. It wasn't going to have anything really to do with these human-level elements. It's going to have to do with the fact that throughout the cosmos, these things that are smaller than microscopic somehow control the entire universe at scale and there's like no concept of free will and like a bunch of stuff that people who already did not like midichlorians were not going to get jazzed about in the sequels so i appreciate why disney wanted to do a real sea change on where that plot was probably going to go it's something a little different just yeah. like we have it now we gave george lucas a bunch of money so that said can, he can do whatever he wants we're just gonna tweak things to our audience liking that's such a disney trait though you're just like thanks for all your franchise and all your hard work we're just gonna be over here doing our own thing with your baby so to speak but that was the problem with disney was like they went backwards and they did what was safe because a common thing you'll see in hollywood and i know a lot of people will point to it more now than previously but there are certain things that hollywood knows will work 
And they know that the original Star Wars was a knockout, breakout hit. And so when they released Episode 7, they're like, here is just all that nostalgia back for you. It's a new story with new main characters, but you're still going to get the Millennium Falcon. You're still going to get Luke, Leia, and Han. You're, all those original beats are still going to show up because they know people love that and people will turn out and pay money to see that. And then that, that kind of became the problem. It was like they realized, like, yeah, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill are old now, and they can't go off doing their like wild-trotting adventures like they used to. You kind of need new people to fill in the gap. And I think they spent too much time playing to our nostalgia to really yeah. give us a new story. And that's they, why a lot of people are upset, is like they keep playing it safe instead of trying. They tend to... Well, I think that's another Hollywood trait where it's like... Well, nowadays, anyway, because everything that you and I grew up with is new again. Uh, it's almost like that old uh, Peter Allen song. If you haven't heard of it, I like I would look it up. It's everything old is new again, where they just keep... You keep getting these reboots, these remakes, these sequels, or, like, you could take a, a franchise like Star Wars and slap its title on whatever and you have to, it's this it's sort of we could slap that title on whatever you want to call it and people will go see it because it's got the star wars name on it yeah and that's that's exactly right is like that i mean they're not buying like the John Connor Chronicles and like Princess of Mars and stuff, they're buying Star Wars because Star Wars moves people into theaters. So that that's exactly it is they know what's going to work. They know it's safe. Why try to mess with the formula? That's also very true. It's just one of those things that we know it works. Let's just pump it out with the same name because people will give us money, if, you know, give us their money because we just need to make money. Well, we need to make money with, a cash cow and that's exactly what star wars is as we wrap up here i just want to ask you a couple questions mm -hmm. so with the rise of skywalker coming out at the end of the year are you going to see it as like from the point of view of a fan and wanting to see it or is it more of i'm gonna go see this movie because it's a star wars film and i've seen them all i'm probably just going to see it because I like there are two parts of me. Like I said before, man, there's that little kid who knows Star Wars and is like, I want to see Luke Skywalker stab some stuff with a lightsaber. And then there's the older me that's like, I I've invested in this so long, I gotta see how it ends. I gotta see what they do to all my favorite characters and heroes. Fair enough. I mean, after all these interviews in the Star Wars miniseries, I may very well go see. I may very well sit through my first full-length Star Wars film with The Rise of Skywalker. I don't know how much of a wise decision that is. But, Cameron, I want to thank you for coming on the Beats and Speaks podcast. I really appreciate it. And uh, if you're on social media, where can people find you? So you can find me, Cameron, at cboozar. That's C-B-O-O-Z-A-R. Pretty much anywhere there is social media. You can find our podcast, Swing the Small Stuff, at Small Stuff Show. And I, I would encourage you to check out our website, smallstuff.show, because, I mean, we keep all our episodes there, and if you ever want to get in touch with your interesting ideas that you think would make for a great episode, 
please do let us know because we're always looking for really cool, really out of the box ideas to introduce to you based on things that you are already familiar with, with your favorite pop culture. And I want to say a big thanks to you, Lee, for having me on the show for, I know we had some technical difficulties earlier, so I really appreciate your patience and I'm really glad that I got to come on here and have share my piece and talk to my my kindred spirit, my brother from Canada. Well, I appreciate the fact that you wanted to come on the show, and I appreciate your patience because the technical issues were mainly on my end. <laughs> um, love that Canadian Wi-Fi. But uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate the fact that you wanted to come on the show and educate me and my audience about Star Wars. So Cameron, thank you. Uh, keep in touch. If you ever want to come on the show again, my inbox is always on, and my door is always open, and hopefully my Wi-Fi will work, and my old laptop will decide that it wants to play along again. All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, yeah, I guess I'll talk to you the next time, man. We will, we will uh, catch you down the road, my friend. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, there it is. There you have it. There you go. My interview with Cameron Buzar-Jomeri, the host of Sweating the Small Stuff. More information can be found at smallstuff.show. Cameron, of course, joined me this week to talk everything Star Wars right here on the Beats and Speaks podcast. It was a real, real pleasure to have Cameron on. So, Cameron, thank you again for reaching out and coming on the show to educate me and my audience and just gush and talk about your fandom of Star Wars. It was a real pleasure. So, so thank you once again. If you ever want to come back and do another episode please do reach out. My inbox is always on and my door is always open and there will always be a spot for you here. And again, to find out more about my guest Cameron and his show Sweating the Small Stuff where they take science and your favorite moments of pop culture and marry them together to give you an entertaining, fun-filled, good time audio baby, go to smallstuff.show, link in the description. And of course, thank you all once again for listening to another episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. New episodes of the Beats and Speaks podcast can be found on my official website, LeeTDickey.com, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We're also on YouTube under Lee Dickey TV. Of course, all those links will be in the description. New episodes go live every single Friday at midnight Eastern time. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast, please do email me at LeeTDickey at gmail.com. And we can set something up so you and I can have a good old-fashioned conversation and go back and forth. And you can find yourself right here on a future episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. Please do leave reviews on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and player of choice. You can also leave reviews on my official Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Lee T. Dickey. The official Beats and Speaks podcast landing page, which is on my official website, LeeTDickey.com, of course. Those will be linked in the description, and I will read those reviews out right here on the Beats and Speaks podcast, as well as feature them right there on my official website, LeeTDickey.com. Of course, please do rate us five stars, because that helps us climb in the rankings, which helps us produce more episodes and more content for you guys, because I love you guys and love producing the Beats and Speaks podcast. But thank you once again for joining me this week and listening to another episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast and another episode within the Star Wars miniseries right here on the Beats and Speaks podcast. Thank you once again to my guest, Cameron Buzar Mary, host of Sweating the Small Stuff. Go listen to his show. Go check him out at smallstuff.show. Link in the description. But that's it. 
for this episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. Please do comment, like, share, and subscribe, and we will see you all and talk to you all next week with a brand new episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. Your host, Lee Dickey, signing off. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. LeeTDickey.com